Come on, Tottenham, stick it in the goal. Come on, Tottenham, the pace are bloody slow. You are the first team, the last team my dreams have ever seen. Put on that lily white and run on to that green. White Hart Lane has seen its pain, it's had its low tonight We fought our team through thick and thin and all those boring nights And when the game is done we'll sing a song and talk it out all night Hey, Come on Tottenham, stick it in the goal Come on Tottenham, don't be so bloody slow, you are the first team Hi, it's episode 27, season 4 of the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast Joining me this week, my co-host John Steggles from Merchester Good afternoon And I'm pleased to say, making his debut, um Vlogger, Spurs fan, Chris Cowan from Chelmsford. Hello, how are you doing? Good. Right, um, before we talk about yesterday's match, and I've completely forgotten who did we play, uh, Rochdale on, 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 how can I forget, it's freezing weather. Um, Rochdale. Lives long in the mind, lives long in the mind, that game. <laughs> it, it, yeah, um, it was a... It was a cold Wednesday night at Wembley. Um, before we talk, talk about the, the, the last two games, um, as with any new guest, Chris, um, if I just come to you first, how did you get bitten by the Spurs bug? Um, it started off in primary school, actually. Um, I got sat next to um, a Spurs fan um, and quite a few kids who, who, who were around me at the time supported Spurs. And they introduced me to uh, to Spurs and um, Lineker played at the time and uh, Gaza. And when you've got players like Lineker and Gaza, um, you know they're they're gonna they're gonna excite any child, aren't they? You know the way that they played and scored goals, and Gaza was so skillful as well. And of course, you had the 1990 World Cup. Um, normally, I know it's family that you get you into uh, football, but a lot of a lot of my family surprisingly uh, support Arsenal, and uh, I want it to be different. Good lad. <laughs> <laughs> Um, right, um, Chris, you and I were both at Wembley on Wednesday. Um, it was, as I mentioned, it was cold. It was a tail of a, a cold, I was going to say winter day, but it's, 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 it's what, end of Feb? We're in March now. Um, a tail of that, yeah. a tail of hat tricks, um, yeah. and VAR. Um, thoughts on Wednesday? Well, first of all, I was really surprised. I was checking Twitter, uh, checking the Spurs website all day. Um, and personally, I thought it wasn't going to go ahead. Um, but when you look at the Tottenham fixture list, you thought, well, if the, if it doesn't go ahead um, tonight, when when is it going to happen? Um, everybody done everything in their power to make it happen, which was great. Uh, you know, obviously we won 6-1. Uh, Lorente hat-trick, really, really pleased with Lorente. He's, got so, he's had so much stick um you know during the whole season since we signed him and yeah it's only you know a lot of people say yeah well it's only Rochdale but you know I was really pleased that you know for his confidence that he scored three goals um it's nice as well that we've rested so many players um obviously for the Huddersfield game um and it was a very very cold night as you say um very memorable uh for for lots of reasons um and I, and I expect that we're going to talk about the uh, the VAR as well. Yeah, um, I've, I'm not a big fan of VAR, full stop. In fact, I'm not a fan of technology in, in football because I'm a purist and I think it should all, all be kept the same and, and, and whatnot. But this was my, and I presume it was yours too, my first experience of VAR live at an actual game as opposed to, be, as, as opposed yep. to watching it on TV. And mm-hmm. we didn't have a fucking clue what was going on. 
We really didn't. It was, no one it, was it was painful. No. no, no one no one had a clue. And that this is the worst thing. When when you're a fan sat in a stadium, you've you've bothered to go out, and especially Wednesday when it was a, a really snowy, very, very cold night. You're in a stadium and you haven't got a clue what's going on. It's it was dreadful. You know, one minute it was uh, it was one nil, then we then then it was two nil, and then we're back to one nil. Then it was, uh, it, it, you know, half the time you had to look at the scoreboard, thinking, well, what actually is the score and what's going on? But um, and and now they've announced that VAR will be used in the World Cup in Russia. So and haven't they? Um, Lee come out today saying they they're accepting it as well, but the Premier League have still got to make a decision. I think that was one of the, the things that I've read today. Maybe I've got that wrong, but I'm sure I read that today. Well, I know, I know that the, the, the VIR is only being used in Premier League grounds at the moment due to the technology. Um, but when you've got um, people which can stop the game, and, and this, this was the, the really frustrating point for me, and obviously it was a low attendance anyway, and, and it was a, it was the biggest groan of the night when the game just kept getting stopped. You know, for the first 20, 30 minutes of the game, you know, it was stopped so many times, and you just thought, oh, come on. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. I know, I know these things take time, but it just seemed that so many decisions were, you know, were being looked at. From, from, so I was, I was at home, I'm, I'm, one aspect I'm glad I wasn't there because it looked absolutely freezing cold. It, uh, um, it was cold here outside, but I wouldn't like to have been sat on a seat for, for 90 minutes while a game was stop start. It's okay if it keeps moving. But yeah. uh, the, the second half, there was points in that game where I couldn't see the ball being moved about the pitch because of the snow. I have no <laughs> idea. It, 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 honestly, it was like did, you could just see people moving around about the pitch. You could not see the ball on the telly at all. It was It was really? ridiculous. No, you couldn't. There was lots right, of tweets. Okay. Like it, it was like Invisible Men playing football. It really was. It was crazy. Um, I'm surprised the old Red Bull wasn't wheeled out. I mean, you should no, get I'm that. Surprised. In... Yeah, yeah, it's gone I'm by. I'm surprised it wasn't orange either. It was. Um, but the the VAR controversies. The the, the um, Lamella's goal. It wasn't a foul by um, Lorente. It was that was a ridiculous decision. If I'm honest, um, but the, the whole the whole just stop start nature of it was just crazy um they you know there was at least 15 minutes added on to that game from from just stopping and starting that and it'll only get worse because referees will be too scared to make a decision to 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 go with their beliefs and they'll just constantly be checking was that a foul was that a free kick was that you know you know and they just won't go by the conviction of their decisions which they've been trained to do so uh, ultimately it will ruin the game i think there's a place for it but not in the current format and if they're going to use the current format, they need to mic, mic refs up so you know what the hell's going on and what's being said, the same as they do in rugby. But then I, I, I can't imagine a prem referee being mic'd up because God knows what the language will be like. It won't be fit for television anyway. <laughs> We've got a question from a listener, um, Ali Hassan from the Czech Republic. Um, his Twitter handle is at OnlySpurs. Um, he asks, or well, he comments, VAR, when is it okay to start cheering a goal and not look stupid? Why was the first goal disallowed versus, Ro- versus Rochdale? I don't buy the fouling. Um, and he goes on to say, why was Sun's penalty ruled out and him booked? Um, Higuain stopped his run-up against us, no problem. Uh, well, the penalty was fine. It's if you stop and sort of double-click with the ball that it's not allowed... But feigning in your run-up's fine. I think the referee got that wrong. 
Um, the, feigning in the rub to take a penalty to confuse opponents is permitted. As part of football, however, fainting to kick the ball once the player has completed his run-up is considered an infringement of Law 14 and an act of unsporting behaviour. So the referee got that completely wrong. And I, I don't think he consulted VAR on that. I think he just made that, he just made that call. Really? Well, for, um, for, from, from, from what I understand, the, the VAR, um, they can give the referee advice, but ultimately it is the referee's decision. He can, he can, he can either choose to uh, go with um, the VAR or not. Uh, you know, ultimately it's, it's his decision um, that, that matters. Yeah, and and that's the thing. You'll get you. You're now going to get referees saying, "I'll just check it." And and, and half the fouls that were given by us, he wasn't going to bother checking. It's just, mm-hmm. it, it seemed it was all the decisions against us. It's almost they they wanted Rochdale to win or give them the benefit of the doubt and let them you know get the decisions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was it, the first half was an absolute farce of a game. It really was. Um, if that's the future of the football, I don't really want it in the game. But it needs it, there needs to be some kind of, of technology in there. Whilst it wasn't as bad in the second half, and the second half um, had the benefit of being behind the goal at the end that we were attacking. Um, so you know, you're close to the action so you can see what's going on. And whilst the, the um, Lorente's hat-trick, um, uh, uh, which was that end of the ground, whilst none of the goals were ever in doubt... At the back of my mind, there was a moment of shit. What's going to happen? It's going to, it's going to go to VAR. Even though th- th- I shouldn't be thinking along those lines, that element of doubt had, had, had already entered my my mind. Not because I was doubting the validity of the goals, but just because of what had preceded. Um, and that 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 element of fear or what's going to happen is it, just it. It's going to destroy the game, and and you, I think one of you mentioned the World Cup earlier. Um, that's going to be a real problem because you think of the World Cup. You've got particularly early on. You've got group stages. You've got something like three games a day, and I can just see it dominating a lot of a lot of the headlines and a lot of the viewing. It's just going to be pundits talking about VAR, which don't the really want to be doing. No, you want to talk about the game and you want to talk about the footballers and you want to play, talk about the football they play rather than the VAR. And all, all the, the, the domination from that game it has been VAR and it's wrong. It needs to be talked so, about the football. Let's talk about the football. Um, there were a few um, players that were given a chance. Um, obviously, Foyf is featured um, in every round. Um, I was very impressed by him. Um, looked very good once again. Very self-assured. Um, very good on the ball, and I think loves to bring it out. He does love to bring it out, and, he, and he's improved. Yeah, and he and he seems to improve game by game. And again, yes, it's, you could argue if you're going to be cynical about it, you could say it's only Rochdale, but you've still got to step up and do do it against the opposition. And I and I contrast that with um, Carter Vickers last year when he had a few chances in, in the cup early on against Villa and Wickham, and he didn't really cover himself in glory, unfortunately, particularly against Wickham. Foyth, no. Foyth has steps up to the mark. He's he's been assured in every game. He's, he looks slight. He looks like a he's a, a, a quite a slight player, but he, he seems to muscle players off the ball quite well. He's a, I think he's definitely one a keeper, and he'll be he'll work his way into the team. I can see the future of the uh, the defence being Foyth and Sanchez, and that doesn't fill me with dread at all. If I'm honest. Mm. Well, hopefully Toby will sign yeah. a, sign a contract, and that that will be a few years before before those two um, we, we, uh, are the sort of regular bedrock of the of the defence. Chris, you mentioned um, 
Lorente early earlier on. Um, his hat trick, you could argue, the perfect sort of hat trick, left foot, right foot header. Do you think? Can, it's can I go? Can I go one better than that? It was flaw- It was a flawless hat trick. Three shots, three goals, no interruptions, and left foot, in, right foot. In about 12, 12 minutes, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, yeah the Spanish called it a flawless hat trick. So, yeah, it wasn't perfect. It was flawless. Do you think either of you, Lovely. Chris, I'll come to you first. Do you think it will be a turning point for him? Um, I mean, he's always going to play second fiddle to, to, to Kane. That goes without saying. But, you know, in terms of if he's asked, if, if Pochettino asks him to, to come in for a particular game, um, and I'm talking yeah. not 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 not. A I don't right, I, right I don't right understand with Fernando Llorente because he's he's a proven goal scorer in the Premier League. Um, he scored goals for Swansea. Um, he's a very good header of the ball, and um, you know he he can score goals in the Premier League. We're not getting a a Soldado or a Janssen here. Mm. We're, we're getting a, a player who we know can score goals in the Premier League. So I don't, I really don't understand why it hasn't really happened for him. Um, if it's just match fit, know, it, f- match fitness, maybe maybe he's a bit ring rusty. Yeah, perhaps. But I, I just don't understand. In, in recent years, you know, we get these strikers, and it just doesn't seem to gel um, with, with us with them um, as it does for other clubs. Well, you could argue that if Soldado had worked out, we wouldn't have Kane in the side now. Um, so that may be a good thing. But whoever we buy is always going to be second fiddle. And I think Lorente has to know his place in that. Um, he was a great performance from him, a, you know, a, a great centre forward performance. But he's he's never going to start Prem games over Harry or Champ. Or he, he might start the odd one like he did against Real Madrid. But, um, but I yeah. think that's the difference of, of us um, really challenging for the title. I think that we, we need players to constantly be behind... Um, you know, our first team to 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 get our first team plan that slightly bit better um, because they know if they don't, then someone's straight behind them and, and mm. they're going to take their place. And, and I think that's the difference. And I think that's the, the key for the next couple of years to to bring um, some more players in, certainly strikers, because I think we've been really lacking um, in the last three or four seasons, um, especially the last couple. You know, if Kane got injured, um, I've been worried all the time if Kane gets injured, what happens? Because, um, you know, our backup striker doesn't seem to do it. And when the transfer window comes up, we all get excited. And, you know, December, January, we all talk about it. Tweets fly out every single day. Who are we signing? Who are we signing? And it doesn't really happen. Um, and attacking, I think we, we really do need um, another centre forward, an out-and-out striker who we know can score goals on bench. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree. I think we, we, we've not just relied upon Kane, but we've relied upon getting away with, with that fact, the fact that we don't have that backup and that we can perhaps play a sort of false false nine, a son, or I think Pochettino has talked about in the past, Lamella, even um, the new lad, Lucas, um, but none of whom are exactly what, you, what you've said, that an out-and-out striker in the, in the conventional sense. And when we've had that, Janssen didn't really cover himself in glory. Um, Lorente, yeah, you're, you're spot on, Chris. He's he's somebody who was proven in the Premier League um, with, with Swansea. I think, was it 15 goals in 30 games? He's done it in other leagues as, as well, he's, he's experienced. There's no reason why he shouldn't have. You can question his age, you can question the money that we paid for somebody of that age, but he... he 
he should have done a lot better. Um, one thing I noticed on, well, one thing I noticed a lot of the time when I watch Lorente, but in both games against Rochdale, particularly given the opposition, the way he walks around the pitch, he seems very lethargic. <laughs> and that, I know that's does, that, yeah. that, I know that's been levelled in the past um, of, of previous Spurs players, Berbatov in the in, in the day, even players like Waddle and Hoddle, um, which I think was a bit unfair, but. In the case of Lorente, I, I you sort of think it's almost like he's not putting any effort in. It's the body language. I think it's poor body language. And as, as a Spurs fan, you want to see effort, and you want to see, um, you know, you want to see people going for balls, going for every tackle, um, trying to score a goal, running, pressing. You want to see all of these things. And sometimes with Lorente, you don't see any of that. Mm. Okay, um, let's talk about yesterday. I mean, Rochdale, um, yeah, that that's got got the result. Of it, which I think was the main thing, and um, and we're free to, free to the quarters. Um, another win at Wembley yesterday, two nil. Son on the score sheet um, again. Last few weeks, there's been there's been talk that he's a little bit off off form, given. The rich vein of form he had, form he had, rich, rich vein of form he had, sort of November, December, early part of January, um, and he hasn't been getting on the score sheet um, recently, and then pops up with two yesterday. Uh, job done. I, J- John, you were there, sat with me again on another cold Wembley day. It was um, tropical. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, you could sense fairly on with with Huddersfield that. The way they had set up, they they weren't going to park the bus. They, they it was open, and and I think that plays into our hands. I think after twenty minutes, they adjusted their formula just a little, their formation just a bit, and 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 did sit a bit deeper. But Son yesterday was a per, he's a perfect fool for Harry. The running, the movement, the fact that he can go past the player, the turns he does on the ball, the 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 uh, the, the shots that he has, he's he's a perfect foil. And if I mean Harry yesterday, I noticed he was pulling out wide a little bit. And it was create, pulling players out and creating the space through the middle for, for Ali and Son to get into. Um, and, you know, they play really, they're a great little partnership, the pair of them, they really are. But Son yesterday was unplayable, he was fantastic. I'd say he's in great form, absolutely great form at the moment. Um, the, the goal, he hasn't got as many as this stage as last season, but he's, he's still scoring them, he's still banging them in. He's doing really, really well. Um, you know, you, the argument is he's came slightly out of form at the moment. Um, but... He's getting a, a, a goal. He's got still got five and five. Um, he's and he's still getting a, a goal or assist every game. And that pass to Son was a thing of was perfect, absolutely perfect. He's got so much more in his locker than just getting in the box and scoring. He's he, he's becoming a great all-round player, and he's better than a final ball than Ozil and, and players like that. Really, he's absolutely fantastic. Who was your um, Chris? Who was your standout player yesterday? If you had to pick one. Well, I think it's got to be Stun yesterday, um, obviously for the for the goals, and I completely agree with you, John. The 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 inch perfect pass by Kane. Um, I think it's absolute nonsense, though, for anybody to say that Kane is out of form at the moment. I think that um, a player like that, uh, you know, he has so many chances, and just because he he, he misses a couple, um, I don't think it's fair to say to um, about him that he's out of form. Um, I think we all just expect so much of him uh, now because because he's scored so many goals. His, his goal ratio to appearances is, is second to none. 
Um, you know, he scored the most goals in Europe last year. Um, you know, we're just expecting so much all the time. We're expecting him to score in every single game. Um, but it was really, really nice to see Son score uh, two goals and and Harry to set one up. And it's it's nice for him to repay back some of the favours of, of all the assists that the team give uh, Harry Kane. Absolutely. I mean, the, the weight of the pass was just beautiful. Um Inch, inch perfect as well, and has to be said, the finish from Sun was 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 was, was, good, was good as well. It reminded me, although it's completely different, but when we played Swansea um, away from home um, back in January, and Kane came off the bench and and he put through um, Delhi, and that was that was a superb pass as well. Um, Chris, you're a man of many talents, and we're going to talk about some of those a bit later. But is refereeing a match one of them? <laughs> is refereeing a match? Yeah. No. Does- Definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> so uh, early on in the, um, I know this was actually hi- highlighted on, on, on match of the day. If any, anybody, any listeners watched it who, who weren't at the game, but yeah, very early on there was an announcement um, in the PA um, asking if anybody could, if anybody was uh, yeah. officiated the game and would be willing to help out. Um, yeah, I wish I was. I wish I'd, I would. I wish I'd have got down there and uh, spoke to Poch and and asked him a few tactics. Um, but no, sadly not. <laughs> that that was bizarre. He so the ref had injured himself in the warm up, hadn't he? So the mm. the fourth official had to do the refing, and then the, the 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 ref had to sit on a seat because there, I don't know if there was anybody suitable. Um, yeah. yeah, I think they did find someone actually. Yeah. Did they? Yeah. Yeah, they, they 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 announced about ten minutes later, and I thought it was it was very good because it, it just within a ten minute gap, they'd found someone from the crowd who was a qualified referee, and they 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 had gone down there and they announced that they had found someone. So um, yeah. So just just before we go back to the game, just just stop and mention that um, Brighton Arsenal has finished two one to Brighton. Yes. Um, well done, so, Chrissy Hewton. You know, that's get in. 13 points clear of them now? Yeah. Um, there was seven minutes of injury time oh, on the, added on the end of that. How the fuck? Uh, Unbelievable. Uh, tweet from Gary Lineker. If I were Arsene Wenger, I might consider firing Arsene Wenger. Um, we can fuck off. He won't, he won't mention the Wilshire dives or the fact that that player should be sent off. He can fuck off. I'm getting really annoyed by Lineker at the moment. He's becoming a right arsehole in my book. Right, um, it was weird with Lineker because he never he never seems to to support Spurs in the way that you think he would. No, no. But uh, it, it, when you think about it, he's been a bit of a journeyman. All the clubs that he's played for in his career, so he, he yeah. can't he can't back them all, can he? Yeah. True. Can't back them all. Yeah. I, I tell you who else had a good game yesterday, Dyer. Dyer had a very, very good game yesterday. He mocked up everything in front of that that defence. He was he was very assured yesterday. I thought he he was a a bit of a colossus for us. Um, he he hasn't had that much of applaudits recently, but I think he was outstanding yesterday. Yep, him and him and Musa, and um, also yeah. I thought Sir. I'm not a great fan of him. I, I think he, I, I think I think Sir Jurio will 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 improve, but at the moment I'm not his biggest fan I think he's got he's still got a lot lot to do but I thought he had a steady game yesterday yeah I, I, I cheered every throw that he did but uh, considering there was no foul throws no red cards no penalties conceded or defensive clangers I think it was one of his better performances <laughs> and yeah. some, some of his deliveries although again didn't have a good good view of it because I was at the other end of the pitch but first half I thought some of his 
balls in the box were okay, were decent. Usually, I think his delivery is one area where he could work upon. But uh, what if it was okay? And, and Ben Davis, he had a good, good game as well. Yeah, I think Davis Davis is is. It made that position his own, really. He's he's uh, Rose has got a lot of work to do. I think we said it before. Rose has got a lot of work to do to get back in there. But he he's such a a, a steady player. You know what he'll do, and you know that he'll do a job. And he does get in the box, and he does get crosses in. He's uh, I I do like Davis. I think he, he may be underrated by uh, some Spurs fans, or people want Rose back in the form he was. But I think Davis is perfectly capable in that role. Mm. Um. We've got Juventus middle of the week and then um, Bournemouth next week. Um, predictions for both of those matches. Um, how do you see them going if I come to Chris first? Um, I think they're going to win both of them. Um, I'm very, very confident. I think in the form that we're in, we're unbeaten in 2018. Um, I think Harry Kane can score against anyone. Um, I think that we will win the Ju- Juventus game one nil, and, and I would say two nil on the on the Bournemouth game. I think w- when you when you look at games like yesterday, how comfortable I know it's only Huddersfield, and people keep saying, "Oh, it's only Rochdale, it's only Huddersfield, it's only, it's only them, it's only them." Well, you know, we, we've beat a lot of very good teams at Wembley this season. Uh, we've had a very good season at Wembley. Um, you know, take out the the first game, Chelsea at home. You know, a- every other game has been great. You know, we beat the European champions. Um, there is absolutely no reason why we can't beat Juventus. Uh, you know, midweek and uh, go through to the quarterfinals. No reason at all. In, in terms of selection for the Juventus game, obviously right back picks itself because Uri is suspended, so Trippier starts. Left back, who who do you think? Well, who who would you go for? Uh, I, ben Davis, without any doubt. Um, yeah, I think I think Ben Davis, like, like you just said, uh, is a very safe player. Um, Danny Rose, um, I was a massive fan of Danny Rose, but since he's come back from injury, he, he, he to me he is a completely different player. Um, he used to surge forward; he doesn't do that anymore. Um, his pace, um, there's just so much about his game that is so mm-hmm. different now, and I think. Um, I think there is an awful lot of work to do for him, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if uh, if Danny Rose left uh, Spurs in the summer. Wouldn't be at all surprised. Mm. I think he's, it's almost as though he's playing within himself. Um, when mm. I, every time I see Rose, like that, he's I can't help thinking because you know because we've seen the Rose of before and we know he's got that extra yard. We know that he can go faster. I'm sort of hoping that he's just he hasn't lost it. He's just not quite there yet. Um, really I think quite... I think we're seeing I think we're seeing like fifty percent of what Danny Danny Rose used to be. Um, it's such a shame because mm. you know he was one of my favourite players. He used to burst forward, and I think the, the, we've 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 not created so many goals from defence uh, this season. If you think you know, I think we've missed Walker at right back. Yeah, uh, I, I know people hate to say that, but I think we've really missed him. Um, the amount of goals that used to come from our left back and right back positions, um, you know, it was a hell of a lot, and I think we've really missed that this this year. This year. I think in, in when Danny's been off, he's found religion. He's become a rasta because God knows what's going on with his barnet at the moment. I think he's turning <laughs> to Bob Marley. Um, I think I think Bournemouth is one of our tougher games that we've got left. If if looking at the running, if we can get three points there, um, and then Chelsea lose to City if um, today, uh, I think we're odds on for top four. 
Um, but next weekend as well, you've got Man United-Liverpool. So it uh, gives us a, a chance if either or both drop points to catch and make some ground up on those. Um, I think we'll draw the Juve game. I think it'll be one all because they, they, they don't forget they're they're a wily old European campaigner and they're going to know what to do. But I think we'll get the first goal and they'll they'll score. I think it'll be one all. Um, but yeah, I, I I think Rose is playing within himself and possibly gone at the end of the season. Mm. I still think there's a, there's a player in there somewhere. He's, he just needs a bit of time. In the same way that I think with Lamella, I'll, I'll come to in a minute. I think it, it took him time from his injury. To, to, for us to start to see the best of him with um, with Rose, John. Are you saying that it should be a reverse of Samson, so he loses his hair and gains his strength rather than the other way around? Well, when he had the neat trim and a nice fade, he was a much better player. Maybe it's maybe it's, it's you know he's he's carrying the extra weight. It's not um, aerodynamic enough, and he. he, he he, his hair was covered in snow by the end of the uh, the Rochdale game. It was quite that amused me, but yeah, it's not. I don't think it's a good look. I uh, really don't. There were just a, one other thing on on Juventus. Um, who would you? Obviously, Kane picks itself, and then assuming Eriksson starts, um, who would you play in the other ro- roles? Would you go with Delhi and Son? Or would you go with Lamella and not play Son? Well, so so question: What did we think of Delhi's performance yesterday? Because I don't think it was prime Delhi last season. I think he's 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 wanting a little this season. He's holding on to the ball to a little too too long, um, overcomplicating things. So I I, I would wouldn't play him. I'd start Lamella uh, as we did um, in Turin. I'd put Lamella on in his place. I think. Um, possibly, not Mora, but I'd, I'd give Lamella a go in that in, on uh, against Juve. I agree, and uh, I think Lamella is very, very good going forward. Um, I know, I know when we first signed him and he played his first games, his, his decision making wasn't the best. But I think that Pochettino has completely changed that, and um, he, he now links up with with all the rest of midfield and, and, and Harry Kane as well. And I think he's a he's a great player. His work rate, his attitude, he he mm. gives you a hundred percent. He will just run out, run about, put the tackles in. Um, I, I think he, I think he's got to start. He's and he never complains. He just gets on with it. Um, so yeah, I'd go with Lamella. I think as well. Yeah, I'd definitely start Lamella. I mean, he started the first game, and then he got Ericsson, Kane, and then it's just the other spot. Um, mm. Can I can I just go back to the performance yesterday a bit on Delhi? Yeah. Um, no, well, no, oh, the whole oh, team. Go on, go for it. I, I don't. I, I think we played. A, a, you know, we had seventy-five percent possession, and I think we played at seventy-five percent um, capacity as well. If I'm honest, I, I think we had a, another gear or two at least to go into. I think um, it was almost more than us, like just smashing up the good teams like we've done. It's a reflection of how far we come. Comfortably beating a team that we're supposed to beat, and at no stage was there any doubt, and we played within ourselves. We did enough well, to manage the game, really, knowing that there was bigger battles ahead uh, and it, it, it's just, that's for me is a, a sign of how good we've become and how how well we're doing yeah i think that's really pleasing to see that, that the fact that we don't need to be firing on all cylinders to to win a premier league game and you know how comfortable you know we, we were just cruising you know the, when, it, when it went to half time you felt like we were going to go on and win the game two three four nil 
you know, it's it's great as a as a fan to to watch that and feel the confidence in you winning all the time. It's just fantastic. Yeah, it, it, you know, there there was no doubt in that game. But it, uh, like I say, we could if we needed to, we could have uh, we could have gone up a, a couple of notches. And I think that's ten, testament to, to the manager. We, it's the game management almost. You know, it's um we didn't play well, but we got the you know uh, we did what we needed to with Tuesday and and going on in mind. Good, good. Yeah. The the only side of that I wholeheartedly agree with both of you. The only side of that concern, that concerns me somewhat is that it's obviously very tight and congested at the moment. When you look at second, third, fourth, dare I say it, fifth, depending on how Chelsea do today. Um, and if towards the end of the season, if goal difference comes into it, then at the moment our goal difference is a little bit behind Liverpool, um, who have been scoring for fun, slightly behind United, I think, or, or about the same. Um, and one thing that the last couple of seasons we did have was a very good goal difference and we did score a lot of goals and not ship that many. And this season, apart from one or two games, um, Liverpool obviously at home, Stoke at home, and then after that I'm struggling to think, we haven't really given a few teams a good thrashing. Well, if you look at how many goals we scored in the last three games of last season, mm. um, did Harry get... Two hat tricks in the last he did. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you know that teams teams will have given up by then, and and our intensity remains. So, I think we, there's plenty of goals to be bagged and still in us towards the end of this season. I hope so. Um, back on the Delhi thing, I I think that he will probably. I'm contradicting what I said to you yesterday in the stadium, John. I think he's going to start with Delhi, and I think Sun will be on the bench simply because I think. Delhi seems to play well in, on the big occasions against the big teams. He, he raises his, his his game game, and I think that the Juventus will, will respect him. And I think Son, um, you know, he gives a good option with his pace to come off the bench along with Lucas. I'm for that one. I'm predicting three one. I, I can see Juventus scoring, but I can only see them scoring one, and I think we will score a handful. Um, Bournemouth. That could be tricky. I think they'll come out and play. But we suit teams playing. We we don't suit. We suit teams sitting back left. I think they'll come out and play, but I think they'll also press us as well. I think they will work their socks off. Um. But I think if we're to- if we're if if we're on top of our game, we're a match for anybody. And um, I'll go with Chris two 0 Take that. Take that all day long. Um. Right, normally at this, this point in the podcast, um, Bex provides us with an update on the Spurs ladies, and they're not in action at the moment, as you mentioned on, on last week's pod. Um, so, we've got quite a few listeners' questions to come fr- to, to, to get through, but before we go through those, Chris, um, you're, amongst other things, you're a, um, a vlogger, is that the right terminology? A Spurs vlogger? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if anyone follows you on Twitter, or you, I mean, you've got your, um, your Twitter analyst at Chris Cowlin, you've also got your uh, YouTube um, channel, they'll, they'll be aware that you do lots of um, chats with fans before games, during games, that sort of thing, but also a weekly update, um, I mean, every Saturday of the progress of the new stadium. So, yeah. two questions around that. What, in terms of that's quite niche because you get a lot of vloggers out there that um, will 
you know, do their bit and they'll talk about the, the game and they'll do a video of themselves going to the match and talking with other fans and, and so forth. But to do a weekly update of the stadium, what's what possessed you to do that? What 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 was the interest in doing that? Firstly, and then secondly, um, what, how's it looking? You were there yesterday. Well, it's it started um, when we played the finale match against Manchester United in May. Um, a week or so later, I was meeting um, a friend down at Tottenham, and they were demolishing the stadium, like anybody would. Um, you know, you, 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 I stood there, I videoed it, um, stood there in amazement of what was happening. Um, I posted, or I posted a lot of videos online on, on Twitter and YouTube and the amount of views that the, the White Hart Lane demolition video got, uh, was quite incredible. And then I went down to meet a friend again, a week or so later, did another video and then everyone was like, well, when's the next one? When's the next one? And, of course, I was noticing the, the building work on the new stadium uh, that was going on, and I was noticing all these all these changes. So as I was videoing, um, I was actually talking, uh, commentating as well, saying what was happening. And it, I, it then went on from there, and I, I started going down every sort of two to three weeks. And then now it, it, it become every Saturday... Um, every Saturday morning, I seem to go down there, and the amount of changes just within the last seven days is quite incredible. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't think that there would be so many changes, but they've got they've got fifteen hundred people working on site during the week, um, and and the and the work that is being carried out is is amazing. It really is, and it just looks absolutely brilliant. Um, every single time I go down there. Um, it's it's mind blowing. The, the the place is huge, uh, and the changes the changes every time um, walking around the stadium, and it, it's great because I, every time I walk around, I always seem to notice or or pick the moments of when you know some major pieces of steel are going in. And, and some major parts of the stadium are being installed, so it's really great. We had a question from another one from Ali Hassan who, who asks uh, you um, specifically, how many panels have gone into the new stadium since your last <laughs> video? Um, and he inserts a wink at the end of that. Of course. Um, well, I think uh, I must have spoke about panels so much that, that now um, it doesn't seem to be that a video goes by without people mentioning panels. Um, well, most of the panels are in now. Um, so the new the, the panels uh, are almost complete, and and now they've started on the tiling. So perhaps uh, people will be taking the mickey out of me for that. Um, <laughs> a, lot, a, a lot of tiling will be going on now. The other um, two things I was just going to very briefly just ask you about the the, the stadium. One, um, there's a lot, obviously, you know, in terms of. Um, you know the stuff that that that, that you've done, and and, for, and other places. If you look on social media, or, or just you know, just just by looking at the looking at the, the, the live cams, you can get a feel of what's going on with this with the actual stadium. But have you heard anything about the development of White Hart Lane Station and and how that's going to come along? And and the second thing, really, is obviously you're there every week, so you see it firsthand, um, you speak to various people. Um, what's your hunch? Do you think it'll be ready for the start of the season? 
Um, I've always remained confident. Um, when I go down there every week, the amount of changes that I see, um, I've always remained confident. Um, the last couple of weeks, um, it seems, to, I can't quite put my finger on it, but it just seems to be quite weird that um, if I felt negative at any time, it would be the last few weeks about it not being ready. There's lots of rumours about um, there's so much to do. And obviously we know there's so much to do. Um, with, with the past week, with the weather being so bad, um, and I'd also like to mention that uh, I went down there yesterday and a lot of the staff told me that the they didn't know whether the roof lift had started because this was meant to start on Thursday. Um, I now I, I can now confirm that the roof lift has started. Um, so the, the roof lift should be complete because it takes up to three weeks. So it should be complete by the end of March. Um, but as far as the White Hart Lane station is concerned, um, that was never going to be ready for the start of the season anyway. That was always going to be in 2019. And when I asked um, a number of members of staff at TFL, um, they were quite surprised on how much information that I knew and what I put to them. Um, because that station will probably not be called White Hart Lane anymore. It will probably be called Tottenham Hotspur. Which, I, I don't, I, see... Oh, so part of me would like that, but part of me wants it still to be White Hart Lane. I think a lot. I think mo most of most of the uh, things that say White Hart Lane, um, it, there won't be anything really there to be called White Hart Lane anymore. That, that's that's a shame in a mm. way. Um, I understand the progress and, and the moving on and things like that, but it was it, it should still be White Hart Lane. I know that the, the scum, when they moved, they had their station renamed because there was no geographical link to whatever they were it's when they they moved. But, you know, I think that, sh that station should remain White Hart Lane. Um, there you go. That's just my opinion, really. But, I mean, the, the stadium's going to be fantastic. Um and I sit and watch your videos every Saturday because they are a great update and you can definitely see the progress every week. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's, I, it, it, it's, it, it's amazing. I love the drone footage as well. That's that's something else. Yeah, well, the, Mr. AV, who, who does the drone footage, kindly supplies, uh, or they supplied the last couple of weeks with, with some footage for my video. Um, but he said that he'd, he'd started doing that because he realised that there was a time when I could see right in the stadium um, when the south stand wasn't built. And as soon as the south stand went up, he thought, well, we need to get in and have a look. So uh, that's why he started doing these videos, which I'm very grateful for. Yeah, they are good. Um, so I've had a look at your your uh, your webpage. Um, I could describe you as being multifaceted, a Renaissance man, a bit of a polymath. Would that be fair? <laughs> yeah. Um, so 100, 143 books. 11 mm -hmm. world records uh, you've been in Skyfall Hollyoaks EastEnders and Corrie yep so has your career now peaked by coming on our pod <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yes <laughs> um, one of the things I picked up in there is that you, you did a book or wrote uh, an introduction for Charles Bronson the notorious mm -hmm. prisoner and Spurs fan and then and met him can I ask how he was I'm just intrigued because you know he, you see him in various things and he's a bit of a um, a uh, uh, not a cult hero, but uh, an urban legend sort of character. How was he? I, I've actually visited Charlie uh, twice in prison. And, right. um, 
yeah, it was the most surreal and the most weirdest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, but he was a very, very nice guy. And you will read a lot on a lot of Spurs websites that he's a Spurs fan. He's not. He's, right. he's, a, Luton, he's a Luton Town fan. Huh. And uh, because I, I was I was quite intrigued and, and, I, and I was ready to ask him loads of questions. And he said, no, Chris, I'm a Luton. I'm a Luton fan. I was, I'm from Luton. I, I support Luton. I said, not Spurs. And he said, no, I don't know why people think that. So, um, oh, yeah, that's that's, that, it's referenced a lot um, that he's a Spurs fan, but no, he's not, sadly. Oh, well, I, I, yeah, I, always, I was under the impression he was. The, the talk that gets said, he is. But, OK, because like, most of your books are like quiz questions and, and facts and, and things like that. Yeah. What's your favourite stat or fact about Spurs? Oh, my God, I get asked this all the time. And sorry, you know what? Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Be, 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 before, before writing all of these books, I felt that I knew quite a lot about football. And after writing all of these, I probably know less about football because all of the information is just jumbled up. And, you know, when you're writing a book, because I've written about lots of different clubs as well, not just Spurs, um, all the facts are in your head uh, for that time while you're writing the book. But as soon as you've written it and you're on the next one, you really do need to check your information because um, the information is just jubbled. It really is. Um, but the one of my favourite ones that I did was on the 60-61 um, uh, double winning season. Um, I did a quiz book about that and I started doing quiz books on... Um, like the last few Spurs seasons, and I've got one called the Ultimate Spurs Quiz Book, which is uh, 1,250 questions on um, the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, which is one of my favourites. Um, there's quite a good uh, selection of facts in there, facts and uh, and, que- and questions on on Tottenham. No, you don't, I mean if, if people want to see the breadth of the books you've read, just put your name into um, Amazon. I mean, you know, there's there's books on pop stars on films on all sorts it's, it's quite an amazing like list of resume of books to be honest with you and and the weirdest thing is john actually is i never ever set out to write a book um and it's it's absolutely madness to think that i've written all of those it really is well i, I, I wouldn't know where to start if i'm honest with you but I, 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 are you good at pub quizzes i never go to them no i'm not <laughs> <laughs> I much prefer to ask questions rather than answer them. I must admit. <laughs> then I, if I had that with that knowledge, I'd be doing the circuit and making money as much as <laughs> from pub quizzes. Yeah. No, fair play, fair play. But yeah, no, I, I'm. Yeah, just from from just reading through what you've done, it's quite astonishing, mate. Really astonishing. But and that's why yeah. I go back to what I said at the top. You know, multifaceted. Did, Renaissance man, you, you know, you've you've covered all sorts of things. It's it's you know, it's just not one sort of career path it's lots of things it's it's good going if only i could do that i'm stuck in a rut doing it support and management and i'd rather be doing anything else if i'm honest well thank you very much right um let's finish off with a few questions um actually b- before i do um just to mention so on friday um johnny you heard this yesterday this anecdote about Sol campbell um so friday night um i went to a another one of these spurs legends nights um over at chessington um organized by darren sheen and um hosted by crackers richard cracknell so originally it was supposed to be aussie aussie Ardelius and david house um at the very last minute mickey hazard's 
and it was announced that Mickey Hazard would, 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 would be there as well. So it's fantastic. All three of them, three legends. Hazard is just, you know, every, anybody who obviously follows him on, on social, social media and listens to what he says when he's on TV radio, you know, he's, he's a man of the people, Spurs through and through. Great, great guy. Very down to earth. Really good, good, um, Good, good company. Um, Aussie, uh, Aussie was 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 really good as well. A bit a bit shy, I've got to say, a bit bit quiet, but he was very entertaining. And then David House, who um, I don't know what it was. See, House um, growing up when I, I I I've been supporting Spurs since ninety, and so David House for me, um, you know, I, I remember him that period when from when I was supporting Spurs from 1990 and obviously you had Lineker, you had you had Gasser, but then you had others Gary Mabbott um, who I've met before again absolute gen and then David House and, and he, he played from that period all the way through to about 98 um, very underrated did a very good job for us um, back then um, and I didn't quite know what I was going to get with him but he's um, uh, absolute gent um, he's very measured um, in what he says, very thoughtful, um, but also very entertaining. And um, we, he was at the Morse before the game yesterday. Um, myself and John were at the Morse Spice in Wembley, and he was sat there. And I noticed him, and I just walked by, sat down, sat with some friends. And then as we were leaving the Morse Spice to head head to the game, just as I'm just sort of walking down the stairs, he catches my eye. And says hello, and he remembered from the night before, and we started chatting. And absolute gent. Um, anyway, um, I digress. That he, uh, this, um, somebody mentioned Sol Campbell and what Campbell had said the other week about being one of the greatest minds in football. So, as you can imagine, um, whenever Judas's name is mentioned, you know, there's lots of hissing and moaning and swearing from from fans. And David House just said, look. I played with him, and let me tell you, he's not the greatest mind in football. And okay, you know, we know what he did, and he went to Arsenal and let his contract run out, and all of that is unforgivable. But putting that all to one side, I played with him, and let me tell you, he's not the greatest mind in football. And I'll tell you why. So he came out with two anecdotes. So the first one, um, Hal said that Sol Campbell was injured quite a lot, which I, I don't seem to recall ever with Sol particularly, but anyway. Um, and the way that David Howe said it, and this is, by the way, my interpretation, it, 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 I got the impression it was almost like a, di- a dig, and it was perhaps suggesting that he was sort of feigning injury and, and not really injured. But anyway, one on one occasion that he was injured, he's apparently he's, he's at a tr- treatment room um, at White Hart Lane, and he's got a muscle injury, he's getting treated by the physio, and then once the treatment's done, the physio says, right, um, just to finish off, just to help with the treatment, if you go in the bath... In the you know, back then, it was a communal bath. If you go in the bath um, and just finish off the, the, the stretching, because it's good for you, and Sol's like, oh, okay, right, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. A bit of time passes, and Sol disappears, and then the physio's wondering, well, what's happening? And he's and he's sort of round the corner. He says, Sol, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm fine. A bit more time passes, and it's all just really quiet. Physio goes round the corner, and he stood there in the bath just stretching his muscles so he's not actually in the water he's just stood in the bath so that's the greatest mind in football and the other story the, the other the other the other anecdote gets worse the other anecdote was um he had an injury and one of the players at the time tried to wind him up and said look if you take this paracetamol and wrap it around your knee it'll make you better 
Sol fell for it. Um, so he gets obviously, you know, all the teammates are laughing behind his back. Whatever. Next day he comes back into training and he's like, lads, lads, you know what? That really made a big difference. So he is Idiot. He, he's not the greatest mind in, in, in football, far from it. Um, so, yeah, there you go. He's the Donald Trump of football. He's a cretin. Him and Sherwood are a perfect partner. I'd love to see them managing somewhere together. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Right, let's finish off with a few questions from listeners. Um, Ed Brads, Ali Dives, oceans of newsprint and hours of analysis dedicated to it. Wilshire Dives, nothing. Racism, press trying to kill another career. Discuss. Well, Wilshire was diving all over the, the show um, last weekend. He was diving all over the show against uh, in, in midweek, and he was diving all over the show today as well. He he spends more time on the floor than carpet, if I'm honest. He, uh, I don't think it's racism. I just think that they're... they're are they trying to get Ali to stomp, stamp it out? Or uh, I mean, Ali went over a couple of times yesterday, but I think they were forceful tackles. I I, I, I just don't want the, the, the media to, to keep picking on him or, or be interpreted as picking on him. But yeah, other other dives and stuff need to be picked up as well because Liverpool players do it. Arsenal players do it. I, you know, it, it's not just... Is it unfair or is it just bad reporting? Mm. I'm not really sure. Well, well I think that um, Daly Ali, um, he's in the spotlight all the time. You know, he's, he's England's greatest midfielder at the moment. So he's going to have that attention on him all the time. And I think that a lot of the time when he's challenged, he is just so quick. He's so quick on flicking the ball and a, a defender or a midfielder catches him and he, and he goes over. And yeah, we've, we've seen um, through video footage that he's, he's had the occasional dive, um, but it happens in football, doesn't it? And I think yeah. that when, when you're in, when you're in that spotlight and you and you're one of the best midfielders in the country at the moment, then you, you're gonna you're gonna get criticised, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if the spotlight's on a player, there will, any minor mistake or anything that's that's not seen as sporting will be picked up. Um, and you know, if if Jack Wilshire was half the player that Ali was, maybe he'd get picked up more with him. Well, exactly. Different era, but um, when Jurgen Klinsmann arrived in English football. Um, he had a reputation, should we say, with, with, with diving and very early on, I think it was his first game against Sheffield Wednesday away, he scored a goal and he celebrated with a dive and, and um, they did that again the following, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday when um, Spurs had the first home game of that season against Everton. Clinton scored an overhead kick and it would be nice if Deli Ali scores... Um, in a forthcoming game and, and celebrates and, and the team celebrate collectively w- w- with a dive and just, just laugh it off really um, that'd be brilliant yeah. all these people that of other fa- and other clubs that criticise Delhi if come the summer we're in the I don't know semi-finals of the World Cup or final dare I say it and he wins as a penalty by I'm not going to say dive but by something which might be perceived by some as a dive, others maybe not. Um, I don't think anyone's going to complain. I don't think we're going to get all righteous about it and say... No. No, so, no but we, we will have VAR, so that probably won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Um, right. Uh, question from at 
Lee Marston 81. Kane looks off at the minute. Should we be worried for the big games? And um, by contrast, question from Kent Goodrich. How incredibly good is Kane that a game where he sends in a magnificent assist was inches away from scoring several times and was a constant threat is considered by many to, um, to have a poor display? Even a poor, I mean, even a poor display. If you look at the, the, that, that we said it earlier, the ball for Son and the other passes and the movement that he makes, he's not just, uh, you know, the forward play that people think he is. He's becoming much more than that. He's becoming an assister and a deliverer as well. So I don't think he, I don't think he's out of form. I think we said it earlier on. He's not out of form. He's just playing in different ways and bringing different assets and facets to his game and to the team. I think I think that's that you know that's it. I don't think he's out of form because he hasn't scored in a couple. I'm not worried. I think it would be worrying if uh, if Kane didn't have uh, any shots in a game, um, but he certainly has in the in the last few he's played. And as I said earlier, just because he's missed a few, it doesn't mean he's he's, he's in a poor uh, vein of form at the moment. I think you know any strikers. When they're assisting like they did yesterday, you know, when Harry Kane's assisting like he did yesterday, he's not out of form, is he? No, nowhere near it. It's, it's, it's just that we're, we're basing him on how many goals he's scoring and he's still the the joint leading goal scorer of the Premier League and I've no doubt that he will finish the, the top goal scorer of the Premier League again this year. And he's an incredible player and I think he's the, the best striker in the world at the moment. And when... When you've seen him do it against the likes of Real Madrid, um, you know hopefully we'll see him do that um, in Russia in the summer at the World Cup. There was somebody on six oh six last night saying that Kane isn't the you know in the top five players in the Premiership and also isn't can't be you know considered one of the best in the world because he hasn't won anything. Now what grates me what grates me about this is is the Liverpool team haven't fucking won anything and yet they're not talked about in the same way and about selling their players because they sold Coutinho and other players and it, it's just like why Why? I think there's a maybe a don't want to say there's a media bias against us but perhaps there is uh, I'll say it I'll happily say it I totally believe there is um, whenever whenever Spurs um, play well and they've, they've got great players well whenever we've whenever we've got a great player every all the talk all the time is, well, are Liverpool going to buy him? Are Man United going to buy him? Are Real Madrid going to buy him? It's, it's, it's all the time. And it is quite frustrating. But that's just the way it is. And I think because Spurs have done well um, in the last couple of years, all this thing is, you know, everyone's worrying about Harry Kane winning something, um, you know, more than him. And he, he, he will ultimately decide where he wants to be, what he wants to do. Um, he spurs through and through, and hopefully, um, you know, we will go on to win the FA Cup this year, and uh, you know, hopefully, the trophies will come, and I and I believe they they will because under under Pochettino, this is his fourth season in charge, and you know, the progress that we have made as a club, the players that we've got in now, um, you know, our attacking play, us going forward, you know, why would Harry Kane want to leave? And if in three or four years' time. Perhaps we haven't won anything by then. Then I wouldn't blame him for leaving. But I believe that we will win things in the next few years. I mean, all the stories in the papers are that we don't play our players enough, and you know they want to move on because they need bigger wages. I think that that should be turned around a bit. And look at the money that the frauds at Arsenal are earning. They're being paid too fucking much. 
I think so. I saw something somebody say that um, Ozil is earning as much as eight players at, at, at Brighton combined, which yep. is fuck. And, and that's the real problem. It's not that we're not paying enough. It's because they're you know they they're complacent. They're comfortable. They don't. It's ridiculous. Our, you know, the, our, they've said it's come out this week. Our bonus system's the best in the league, and that's what's keeping them hungry because they need to perform to get things done, and that's the better way of doing it. But I think the likes of Kane will, will be earning a lot of money, um, which they'll be very, very happy with. And at the end of the day, someone like Harry Kane, um, you know, he's got his young daughter and uh, another baby on the way. Um, when when you've got family commitments like that, you, you're not going to want to then move to, to Madrid or, or move to another country because of your job. Um, it's It's just not... What he would do, I don't, I don't think, in my opinion. Um, and and as I said, he spurs through and through, and you can really tell that. And you don't see that an awful lot. His commitment and everything about him with Spurs, you know, he's in love with the club. And that is a hell of a difference to, to a, a lot of other people. On his form, um, last three Premier League matches, 1-0 against Arsenal, Kane got the winner. 1-0 against Palace, he got the winner right at the very end, which um, you know, he, he stepped up and, and, and he got, got us that winning goal. And yesterday he didn't score, score a goal. If that's bad form, if that's exactly. something to be concerned about. I mean, there are a lot of clubs in the Premier League, and, and I don't just mean one struggling at the bottom, but you know, even um, our dear neighbours from North London that would, would, would give their left ball for, for, for um, a player like Harry Kane in, in the current form, in the perceived struggling or slightly off form um he'll he'll score against Juventus I've got no doubt about that he'll probably score against Bournemouth next week and there's so much more to Kane's game by the way than goals um as um the listener Kent alluded to in his question about his, his pass yesterday and we talked about that earlier, earlier in the game that inch perfect perfectly weighed pass if if Kane was just a fox in the box and all he did was just pop up and score goals and nothing else, then yeah, I'd be I'd be a bit concerned. Even then, I wouldn't be because it's just one game that he didn't score in. So, nah, it's fine. Um, okay, final two questions. Um, Conor Minetto, Um If right now we are persistent top four con- content- contenders and a dangerous Champions League knockout round squad with the potential to ex- exceed expectations to win a title or Champions League, then what, if anything, do we need to do to reach the next level? The next level being serious title c- contenders in those two com- competitions. goes on to say, if the answer is to improve the squad at certain positions, such as Davis, Trippier, Winks, Wenyama, etc., how do you handle the chemistry of issues selling those players and replacing them when our unity has been our biggest asset? I think um, the squad... I mean, we bought... Sanchez has just come in and, and, and slotted in straight away. Foyth is being eked into the side. I, um, Mora has come in and he's shown what he's going to do and it will offer the side something different. We, we will buy players in the summer and we'll, we may well let one or you know we've already alluded to potentially Rose going um, perhaps we'll sell um, Alderweireld and we might get a pretty packet for him but I think the the players that remain will fight for the club and play for the club and play for the shirt 
Um, you know, there there was a lot of talk. You know, well, Walker's gone. He's gone for the money. Was was that the first in a big procession of players who are going to go for more money and the potential to win something? The potential that we've got to win something is just as much as any other club at the moment. And I think we've got a, a massive chance of getting the FA Cup this season and going a, a couple of games further in the Champions League. So I, I don't think we've got anything to worry about. We, um, I don't think we'll exceed expectations to win the league, win a cup or anything. Um, but the, the players that we come in, you have to have faith in. And I think we, we're buying right. We're doing well at the moment. Chris? Well, I think that I think that we do need to spend more money. Um, it, it does worry me every year that we don't spend enough money. Um, I think that we're very fortunate at the moment to have um, an absolutely fantastic manager. Um, who develops players, who spends so much time with players, is great man-manager um, and an all-round nice person. Um, you can see that a mile a, a mile away uh, through his press conferences, how he deals with situations. Um, but I do think that we need to spend more money, um, ultimately. Uh, as I said earlier, I think that we need um, a striker where um, you would automatically think... And, and feel that we need to spend multi-millions of pounds, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, a proven goal scorer. Um, where the likes of Manchester City, they just want a position, they want a player, they spend millions of pounds. Now, that is going to be the difference all the time of, of us winning the Premier League or not. Um, you know, other clubs are ploughing... A lot of money in, and yes, you could argue that Liverpool spent a lot of money, Manchester United have spent a lot of money, and we're in a very, very similar position to them. But we're in a similar position to them because we work so much harder. Um, I believe that we work so much harder. Um, Manchester City are running away with the league because they've spent millions of pounds on it. But if you, if you, if you were to answer that question honestly, it's all about money. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I thought I'd muted my, my. I've been coughing, so I've been muting my microphone. So I thought I was gone there, but yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, Danny Levy runs the club as prudently as he can. We're not overspending. We're not spending massively over our inflated wages, and that will change when we get up to our new stadium and more money comes in. Hmm. You know, I that, think you've, you've got to you've got to certainly look. Pochettino's first season in charge at Spurs, we finished fifth. The next season, we finished third. Last season, we finished second. You know, yes, we could finish second again this year. You know, so there is progression. Um, and, yeah, people could say that we haven't spent um, a lot of money like all of the other clubs. You know, we're, we're a very, very well-run club. Um, but in my opinion, we do need to spend money if, if we are going to keep up with the other clubs. Because last year, um, on paper, we had, we had one of the best squads well, if not the best squad in the Premier League. And then all the teams around us in the summer spent an awful lot of money and then suddenly we're thinking, oh, right, um, you know, when, are we, where are we going to finish? And then the, the players at the start of the season, oh, well, it would be really good if we finished top four. Well, we were going for the Premier League title last year. So it's amazing how when the money was spent, the fans and the players and the staff at the club were thinking, oh, actually... Um, could we finish top four? You know, it's worrying really when how much money has been spent 
you're then thinking, oh, we're, we're that much behind again. You know, so every summer, you know, will we, we'll this summer be exactly the same again? You know, we, 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 do, need to, we do need to strengthen and, and do need to spend more money, in my opinion. I think hopefully with, with the new stadium and the revenue that brings, um, we will, I'd like to think, we'll start to, to, to spend a bit more. I think the key thing is going to be, in terms of going back to, 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 to the question, in, in terms of keeping that squad unity, um, so far I think we've managed to do that because we haven't bought loads of signings in every summer um, and we've seldom bought in players during the January window. This is obviously an exception this season with, with, with Lucas coming in. Um, I know we got Delhi in a few few years ago, I think it was 2015, but we loaned him back straight away. To, to, to MK Dons which generally most of our business has been done this summer we haven't bought loads of players so that in itself hasn't been too disruptive on, on in, in terms of the squad and we've slowly integrated those players in so it's not as if it's been a big kick in the teeth for, for the ones who are already there we've slowly integrated those new players um, generally they've been although not always they've been younger players so it's it's easy to to bed them in um, and they're going to be maybe a bit more patient rather than and less sort of uh, I don't know, less less prima donna type players um, be interesting as and when we start to spend more money if we sign a different calibre a higher calibre of player or a more experienced player so let's just say I'm just throwing a name out there if we sign say Gareth Bale would he there's no doubt that he would Add quality to to the team. That's not in question, and and obviously I'm talking about a fit Gareth Bale. Um, but would he upset the apple cart? Would he? Would he? I don't know. If somebody else drops down to the bench, would that cause a bit of disharmony? Um, I think Pochettino's very shrewd. Regardless of who, regardless of the amount of money that you give him, he will spend wisely, and he'll get the right type, the right characters in. Um, so I don't. I don't think ultimately squad unity will be an issue, and, and I think the balance will will, will be there. Uh, in the purchase of Mora, is already that you could already see that as being a shift in the in the style of players that we're looking for. I mean, Delhi, Sanchez, young players. I know Sanchez was was a fair bit of cash, but he's still a young player. But people like Mora, who were sat on the bench at a bigger club, who are now coming in, you know, uh, as uh, to to get pick up their games that's a shift in transfer policy for me rather than the the youngsters that we want to bring through and the the young players well i think we'll still, we'll still see, see those it won't surprise me if um ryan session will um join us in the summer um but yeah that, that I'd, I'd, I'd also imagine that we get a few more established players uh I don't want to say the finished article because I think we're with Pochettino and I think even with with Pep, I don't think there is any. There's no such thing as a finished article. I think you've got a coach there who will develop a player regardless of his age and improve them, like any good coach should do. Yeah. Um, okay, final question on the pod, and this one's really for you, Chris. So we have a we have a reoccurring question on the podcast. Um, that we ask, and um, as it's your first time on the pod, um, the question is: You're on a desert island. Who's from the current squad do you vote as leader? And if it all goes Lord of the Flies, who do you eat first? Uh, well, leader, um, no doubt at all. Harry Kane. Uh, he's a natural leader, uh, very mature at the age of 24. Um, you know, great goal scorer. 
Um, you know, there's, there's not really a lot more I can say about Harry Kane that's not being said already. Um, absolutely brilliant. Um, who would I eat first? Um, it would probably be Musa Sissoko. Um, I've seen people laugh at him. I've seen people tut when he's got the ball. Um, yeah. Uh, if I was to um, be pleased about anybody leaving Spurs, I think it would be him. <laughs> He's. Um, I've got to say, he's. Whenever, whenever we ask that question, he, he's a very popular choice on the on, on the menu um, because he's seen as the one who's um, not that useful. Um, now he's Uno champion. People might respect him a little. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, when we're when we're on the touchline, you want every single person who's wearing a Spurs shirt. You want it to happen for them. Um, you want to see them do well, obviously, um, but. The amount of chances that he's had in the team, you know, he's been used so much this season by Poch, and you would have hoped that we would have seen, you know, a few good things from him, but sadly we haven't. The, the thing is, where we've had Lamella and before Mora came in, it, it, we, he was there was a need to play him. Uh, there was, he had to he had to play, but I think now we've got those two, and they're, they're getting you know Lamella's back to full fitness and wanting to play, and Mura's there. I don't think we'll see him that much for the rest of the season, unless there's any more injuries. I think it's, it'll only be a matter of time before he picks up a Ballon d'Or, surely. Um, <laughs> he, for Uno, um, for Uno, yeah. Um, just very briefly on again on on Friday at the um, at the Legends Night, um, there was a question from the floor. Somebody asked about Musa Sissoko and why. You know, why did the panel? Why, why do they think um, Pochettino would? Uh, Pochettino keeps picking him every every week. So that so Crackers passes the mic over to to Aussie. Aussie just takes the mic, says pass, and hands it over to Mickey Hazard. Mickey Hazard just says pass and hands it over to poor old, poor old David House. And David House, so David House was left to answer this one, and he very di- diplomatically said, "Well, you know, um, Pochettino obviously sees something in training or sees something that the rest of us don't. That's why he picks him. <laughs> Simple as that. Without slagging him off, um, either the, the 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 decision to pick him or, or or the player himself, but just said, you know, it's obviously something that Poch sees and the rest of us don't. Um, it was a slightly, I don't know, disheartening or, or reassuring when he said that. It, it just, it was for me. It was okay. Well, it's not just us. Even even ex pros. Um, uh, feel the same way about dear old Musa Sissoko right um, the next podcast will be recorded I'd imagine next Monday Monday evening Um, until then firstly thank you Chris for joining us thank you very much for having me on thank you as ever John thank you very much Chris it's been a pleasure keep those videos coming fella thank you very much and until next week the future's bright the future's lily white good night Come on Tottenham, stick it in the goal Come on Tottenham, the base are bloody slow You are the first team, the last team my dreams have ever seen Put on that lily white and run on to that green White Hart Lane has seen its pain, it's had its low denies We fought our team through thick and thin and all those glory nights And when the game is done we'll sing a song and talk it out all night Hey! Come on Tottenham, stick it in the goal Come on Tottenham, 
that bass I bloody show you are the first team, the last team My dreams have ever seen Form that lily white and run on to that green Oh, we've seen them come, we've seen them go The names up on our shirt Gods have failed as men are hailed And faces in the dirt Now gather round and sing it out And we'll talk out over her